Welcome back to Money Can't Buy You Class, a podcast about reality television through a critical lens with your two post-COVID hosts, Phoebe Kaufman and Jemima Godfrey. Yes, hello. Yeah, hello. We've missed all of you. We both were convalescing. I lost my voice and my sense of smell and taste. Um, but we're back to talk about what we love talking about the most, which is all there is to be said about reality television. Exactly. Yeah, we were both we were in, we were uh, taken into a forced hiatus via um, whatever new variant of COVID this is. I mean, at TVH, it seems just like a cold. So I don't know why everybody still has their panties in a twist about it. But um, that hiatus is actually good for your, your listeners because we had a lot of time to ruminate, to watch to obsess. I, I don't really ever really need an excuse to obsess over reality TV, but it is kind of nice when you're sick and you're kind of forced to yeah. binge watch as um, we discussed with Tom Syverson on our last episode, the politics of binge watching. Yeah. I, I think I watched like four seasons of Top Chef because like all <laughs> I could do was like lay on the couch, like curled up in like a blanket, like shivering and sweating drinking my little broth and like and just watching Top Chef which is a really good show because forthcoming episode on Top Chef definitely well did I tell you that um oh my god his name's Damar he is the executive chef of like my favorite place to get a martini in Chicago which is like literally a hundred feet from my house Oh my God. I love that. Like virtue, like where he's like, it's like the soul food reimagined or whatever. It's like, that's just like where I go at least once a week. Like they know me there and I wish they didn't, but they, but they do know me there. I'm one of their special customers. I was obsessed with Top Chef in high school, like obsessed. And I, and I, I re I revisited it in the past couple months, the past year. So I've, I've come in and out of it. Um, really is a great show. It really is kind of like the, the blueprint for those competition, uh, reality cooking shows and and it's the best kind of cooking show because cooking shows are so gimmicky Mm -hmm. that they like all those chopped are so freaking stupid but like top chef is like you're watching it and you're like oh my god like this is it's 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 bravoified it's very intelligent it's it's high class food but also cooking shows are so weird because and you're talking about you watch it with a lack of taste. You're like, mm-hmm. you're watching it and you're like, you're watching people eat food. That you have no idea how it tastes. And then you're watching them judge it. And you're like, okay, well, I don't, I don't even know how that tastes. <laughs> I kept thinking about that too. And I think that like it, uh, Top Chef, they do such a good job with that yeah. because not only do they explain what it tastes like, they describe what they like and what they don't like in really good detail. And they also make it very clear when they're very upset with the chefs, if they're cooking like consistently bad or boring food. So even though you can't like, yeah, right. No, but you're right. It's like a totally different understanding of what food is. If you're judging it, not only based on looks, but also not based on taste, but kind of like the schadenfreude, which 
a lot of people say like reality television is. Right. And the best part about Top Chef is how freaking mean they are. They're like, you undercooked a steak. You deserve to die. I know. (laughs) Padma looking sexy and mean all the time. I, oh my God, Padma is just such, she's such an ideal woman. She really is. You know, she, because she like has the way she eats, it's so sensual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and so I'm watching the first season now for, I'm not binge watching it. It's for research, <laughs> which also makes me like, I hate it. Like I, I'm like, I want to die watching it. Like it just makes me cringe right. and it makes me depressed and anxious, but I'm like, it's research and I have to do it, <laughs> which makes me happier for there's like a reason to like my eyes bleeding anyway. Katie Lee, who does the first season, is horrible. And I think that she was married to Billy Joel mm-hmm. at that time, which people say like is the reason why she got the job. Right. Um, but she it, there's no expression, there's no sensuality with her like eating the food. And she has no like emotional connection to any of the chefs. Um, like after she says, like, please pack your knives and go, she she just looks at them with like a dead face and she's like, you can leave. Mm-hmm. Get out of here. You no, can Padma's go. Padma's a natural born host. She really is. And she's like, she's she's also, so there's in the latest season of Curb Your Enthusiasm, there's that really hilarious episode when they're at the dinner party about like who sits in the middle of the table. <laughs> can you they, middle? <laughs> yeah. What? Can you middle or not? Yeah. Can you middle? Because Larry David's really good at middling, which is like the person seated in the middle of the big dinner party needs to like make conversation. And Padma is like a genius at middling. She's so good. She's so good. She engages everyone. She's always listening. But you also just like she's the type of person that you would tell all of your secrets to. But she tells you nothing. Yes. Yeah. She's She's an amazing, amazing host. I think that's part of the reason. I mean, I also love her and Tom Colicchio's chemistry. It, it, mm-hmm. it's, I, I'm obsessed with Tom Colicchio. I love him. I love him. He's hot. I think he's an amazing, love his little bald head. I want to rub it. Just like Gemma. the Aquaman. <laughs> um, well, I spent my quarantine just absolutely crushing Rojasos, New Jersey. I am proud to announce that I am almost in present day. Um, and it has been a wild ride. And I got to say, New Jersey has has inched its way right up there for, with New York and Beverly Hills for me. The cast is truly electric. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen a cast except for New York have as long of a good run as New Jersey. Really? It's really good. And the family stuff is really like kind of creepy and dark, weird and... Um, it, it has a darkness to it that New York does that Beverly Hills does not have. And I, I do think it has something to do with the East Coast and the fact that they're like in New Jersey in the winter. I have more thoughts to come on this, but I do think it's a show about family rather than about money. Whereas Beverly Hills is about money. And I think New York is about friendship. And I think New Jersey is about family. That's my, that's my quick little cat uh, take. But um, should we like catch up on like what's been going on for the past like month in the reality TV sphere? Yes, there's a lot been going on. We can just kind of like fireball spitball it. Yeah. Like we can, we have notes and we can, I feel like we can just go like one by one down the list. Yeah. Do you want to do that? Yeah. You can go first. So some weeks ago um, on Watch What Happens Live, 
Andy Cohen was talking to Lala Kent and let slip the words Vanderpump Valley um, when he was discussing the the show. And that led to a whole internet, you know, sleuthing. And I think, it, did it get officially announced? I think it got officially, I don't know if it got announced. Um, I, I think I was sending you some articles that were like confirmed. It's like, it's not officially announced, but it's like confirmed that there's going to be Vanderpump Valley and then like pump rules. So Vanderpump Rules is transitioning into a sort of looks like they're going to transition to more of like a housewife structure of the successful sir employees who now all have babies and live in the valley altogether, Vanderpump Valley. On the other side of that, yeah, they're going to do pump rules to kind of follow a new generation of, you know, more accurately represented restaurant staff of 2022. So I'm, I'm thinking we're going to get a lot of like a lot of queerness, a lot of POC. I think it's going to be very like Gen Z-ified VPR. It's at pump. It's no longer at sir. Which they better pump. clean the windows for the, <laughs> for the new Oh show. my God. I'm never going to get over just like walking into pump and like not expecting much, like really not expecting much, but it was still, it was like, it was like many hundreds of miles below my expectations. <laughs> Like, For those who are newcomers to the podcast, we did um, go to Pump and Sir last summer, um, about a year ago. Yeah, it was a... And Pump was a disgusting shithole. And the Pump teeny tastes like shit. Oh my God, it was so bad. And then like our server, our bartender, who like we follow each other on Instagram, he's like weird. Like there's something like creepy about him. And he kept like putting his fingers in our drinks by accident. He spilled... He yeah, he's, he's like a really bad. I mean, like I'm also a bartender. I'm like I'm definitely not a good bartender, but like I don't pretend like I'm like this like craft mixologist. Like I'm just right. like I'll give you a beer, and I don't really know how to make other drinks. Sorry. Right. And then on the same trend of transitions, this I mean this came out a while ago, but you know what? I don't really care. We, we we're not shackled to the cultural timeline. Okay, we we process things as they come. We can't be on the podcast every week. We're not we're not superheroes. Okay. So anyway, a little older news: Roni is changing, and there's going to be a new version with a whole new cast. It's going to be younger, and there's going to be like a legacy show as well. Mm-hmm. With oh, the and OGs. the girls trip is coming out and it's all people who are no longer on the show. Ex-wives. Ex-wives, ex-wives club. Um, so like that's going to be a whole disaster and a half, which like, honestly, I really liked the the camaraderie of the first one. Like I loved the positivity. It was and gorgeous. I don't know if I'm going to like the, the, the drama on this I think one. it's going to be horrible to watch dorinda and yeah. brandy in the same room I raging mean, alcoholics raging alcoholics i mean they're all sort of i think also the the aspect of the ex-wives clubs that's interesting is you know maybe they're not so worried about renewing their contracts so they might be a little more like insane you know they like they might like all of those people are willing to pop off and that's also why for some reason or another that's kind of why they're all off their shows right like jill burnt the bridge with Bethany so she's off Dorinda was too mean and drunk and so she's too off. drunk Phaedra like spread a horrible rumor about Candy Burris and it came out on the reunion that was the most insane reunion I've ever seen Brandy's just a fucking asshole 
Taylor Armstrong's life is too sad. <laughs> no one wants to watch it. No, but she also moved away. Like she moved to Colorado. Yeah. And then the the OC one um is like a Republican. So she got Vicky. Yeah. Vicky, Vicky Gunn. And uh well not Vicky, who's the one? Tamara jo- who's the one that's like everyone hates? She's like a raging Republican. I don't know. I've never Who seen that. I think it's Tamara Judd. I think it's Tamara. Okay. But it also is Vicky. Vicky's also on it. Vicky is on it too. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. But then also Tamara. Yeah. yeah so, it's, but it's also just like, um, remember, remember, I think it was like the first or second time they went to Bluestone Manor, uh, which is Dorinda's house, which is where the Ultimate Girls Trip is filmed. Which so is, P.S., I am in the vicinity of Bluestone Manor. I'm currently in Great Harrington, Massachusetts. Gemma's walking distance. Um, <laughs> No, but uh, like, remember Sonia had that whole thing about like wearing the family, like the Morgan family crest. And yes. Dorinda was like, you can't still be part of a family if you're like divorced out of it, which right. I think also plays into like the ex wives' ultimate girls' trip where they're still defining yeah. themselves from like a job where they've been fired, which is, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Cause also like these shows are as much as they're about the woman, they're about divorces because right. most of the women are divorced or like get a divorce on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's almost fascinating to think about, you know, div- like older womanhood divorce. Um, how do you like, what's the, what's the correct understanding of your relationship to, to the to the family of the husband that you left behind or like the network and the house like inheriting yeah, the, house. the house so there's you know we have, it's gonna be okay but i just love the whole like the wealth and the parties and the getting drunk together and like the the, the girls and the flirtation yeah like, that's why you like the housewives because you're like wow they're just so fucking rich and you just like to watch them be rich right with their stupid opinions. The same in the same housewives sphere um, come out that Nene Leakes is suing Bravo for uh, racial discrimination. Um, and my Twitter was all a buzz of people with very mixed reactions. Some people very angry at Nene because she would now never be on the show again. Some people uh, thinking that she was like doing it for attention or because she didn't get her own show, which is pretty cynical take um but yeah so that's kind of I mean that's kind of a big deal that's the first time we've seen anything like that from a housewife yeah I mean it's also I think that it's like a long time coming right like I remember even when even when we talked about um Atlanta pretty pretty recently um you know Kim uh what's her last name again yeah, Kim Zolciak makes some like very racist remarks like about the and this is even cited in like the Nini um, mm-hmm. dossier about like the chicken. She's like, I don't want to go to Nini's house because like all there's going to be to eat is chicken, which yeah. is like that, you know, that's like a remark about like black people's eating habits that like kind of like everyone like all Americans know, especially people who like live in the South. I would assume that everyone knows that that's like a stereotype. Yeah. Um. And then Kim also with like her wigs and her like, you know, talking like a black woman or just kind of like distancing herself from blackness when she needs to. And she's like, you're not classy. And I think that a lot of that is not necessarily what like it it never added to the drama of the show. No. 
And I think that like you could see like all the other women, like when Kim left, they all kind of like had a sigh of relief because yeah. I don't think that I think that she was like, ob- like centering herself in a certain way on the show. And the network was letting her get away with a lot of her stuff because of like the, you know, the like subconscious or even conscious like racial dynamics of like what it means to like be seen. Yeah. And so. Nini's suit seems to encompass a lot of like structural issues uh, at Bravo, you know, saying that the housewives, the black housewives were treated as second class citizens to the white housewives. They were taken on their like girls trips were on and much less desirable, cheaper um, destinations. Um, and, you know, I don't doubt that that's true for a second. I think it's interesting because, yeah, I, I think Atlanta I mean, Atlanta has a decent amount of discussion about like the way the show portrays black women on the show. Like Kenya Moore, like second husband refuses to be on the show for a season. And like she says on camera that it's because he thinks it doesn't depict black women in a favorable light and he doesn't want to be a part of it. So there is a lot of a discussion of that, like on the show. And there, there's a decent amount of discussion about like race, but it's within what's, you know, among all the black women on the show. Yeah. Right. And I think that they, you know, also, I think that's something that people really honed in on is just kind of like, uh, like depictions of, of, of violence where like yeah. when, you know, like obviously, um, Lisa Rinna throws a glass in Amsterdam and it shatters everywhere. And like, that's like a horrifying thing to do. The Real Housewives of New Jersey, like full on, like assault each other. Yeah. And the men too, they just yeah. like, but they're never depicted. They're like, oh, they're just like passionate. They're just like passionate Italian women, the yeah. old country, the Europeans or whatever. But it, you know, but it's like, oh, the, you know, it's like every stereotype in the book when the housewives of Atlanta um, or Potomac act in like similar, in similar ways. Yeah. And I've also noticed like, if you go on YouTube or whatever, and you're like funniest housewives moments, you I mean I would have to like rewatch them to like know this for sure but I feel like the majority of like the quote-unquote funniest moments from the black franchises focus on like the ways in which they're speaking yeah Nene Leakes is like yeah yeah you know it's like a catchphrase thing instead of like a moment of like irony with like a real housewife of beverly hills or like a moment of like drunken hilarity with like ramona or something like it's always like almost like making fun of like a speech pattern which i think is like racially um like toned or tinged or whatever you know like intoned and i think that like the networks obviously like they hone in on like what's marketable and I think that a certain type of like black womanhood is marketable and I would love to like read the whole Nene Leakes um so I think COVID really made my brain even worse than it already was so I can't remember anything but like what what, what's it called in court when you have the the affidavit or whatever yeah 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 no me too so yeah that that's a kind of a big kind of that's a big that's a big thing for the Bravo sphere it is. And I think it's well, and then it's also related to another Bravo show, Vanderpump Rules, which, as we know, Stasi, Jax, and Kristen were fired because they like they purposely called the cops on their black on Faith, who is like their only black coworker, because they were just like mad at her. And they're like, Yeah, like go after like this woman. Like she like they like made up a crime and like pinned it on her 
because they like very much so knew what would happen if like the police confronted her. Like they wanted to like scare her. They, they, they wanted to hurt her and possibly like kill her, you know, like it's not, and this is all happening like during, like around the time of George Floyd. So it's like, it's not as if they didn't know. Um, Anyway. So it also comes out that Stasi confirms this and faith says it that like Lala would like threatened faith with a knife like right. in in Sir, which is like the restaurant where Vanderpump Rules is based one time. And like Lisa was just like, turn the other cheek, like look away. This is like, I don't want Lala to be portrayed like an angry, malicious person. So we're just like not going to film it and we're not going to talk about it. Yeah. So like Faith isn't suing Bravo, but I think that like perhaps like Nini, Nini's lawsuit will, I don't want to say like set a precedent, for how the franchise will work going forward but i think that well i don't i don't know i i don't know what it will do i have no idea what it well, will do well another thing in the bravo sphere that's huge is um the real houses of dubai is premiering on june 1st and i think that show is a very smart way to sort of seamlessly introduce racial diversity in a cast because Dubai is such an international city. It looks amazing. It looks very um, highly luxury because like Dubai is so rich and like their husbands are probably all like oil people. Like they're probably, it's probably the worst kind of money. Mm -hmm. Um, So it seems like it's taking a bit of like the Beverly Hills thing that everyone clearly loves about like the extreme luxury and like extreme fashion and like even selling sunset um, kind of has that energy to it. So I feel like that's kind of a way that Bravo might be trying to introduce like a diverse cast, like without being like, obviously like being like, this is a diverse cast. And I think they're going to do that with New York too. I think the New York, they're going to try to be much more representative of like the whole of like New York. And they're also doing that reality show about like Times Square. (laughs) Is that on Bravo? I don't know. I don't know. I just like, that's like been like the rumors circulating. That's like a rumor for forever. And then in terms of networks um netflix is uh you know having is, is supposedly kind of folding um and there's been lots of stuff online about like netflix like hiring like you know very diverse crew of writers and producers to kind of churn out these shows and then um very quickly firing them like a month later yeah well yeah there's like a whole implosion of and I think it's like almost like a crossover thing that we've been talking about. Well, I don't, I don't even know, but just like there's a whole implosion within like this weird Twitter sphere. Yeah. And I sound like an old person, but I mean it where it's just like people get convinced it's it's like a quick goal. It's like gold rush. You know what yeah. I mean? That like tech is is going to win. Like there's this new tech thing. And even like with the miladies or with the bored apes or whatever, people invest so much money because they feel as if it's cutting edge. But I think that they don't understand like the time frame mm-hmm. that this like weird, like accelerationist time frame, not only of trends, but like also of like tech scapes or like tech trends or like job security you know and I think there's just something in it that's like so creepy and so weird and like I I see all these weird tweets being like I was a journalist and then I went to Netflix like it's not my fault that I wanted to make more money right and then they fold it and people like you didn't understand what's going on in the world I feel like Netflix like shows 
like they are like insane, like the rate at which they're churned out and like the content of them. I mean, it really, I mean, I feel like I've said this so many times. I don't know why I keep repeating it, but it's just because it feels so kind of dystopian to me that this like feels like they're all filmed. I mean, like, like the ultimatum, like the the circle, um, love is blind. It really feels like they're all filmed in like a random empty, the same warehouse in Burbank that they just like cart in and out this like cheap ass set furniture and they make them in like 10 days. No, it really does. Well, I think that like Netflix is like one of the first street. Is it? Is It's like one of like the very first, like I remember when I was DVDs. Yeah, right. That's what I was going to say. Like in middle school, I remember my mom was like, I read up in the New York Times about Netflix and we would just like order all the DVDs and it like it was pretty affordable because instead of like going to Blockbuster or like the Walmart dollar bin for (laughs) for like movies that we were like, oh, yeah, we totally should have seen that. but We like missed it in theaters. Um, It was just like really easy. And I remember we got like all the Julia Childs and we would just like watch those or we got like old really good movies or like classics you know like some like it hot you know and you could you could get those and I remember when old television shows started streaming and like my brother and I we would like watch we like watched like lost together yeah because that was something that we needed to like catch up on but I feel like I watched lost on Netflix too yeah, no, it's just kind of like Netflix is like where you watch that and then like you could watch like like newer week by week stuff on Hulu, mm-hmm. right? Then you could watch like the current season of Lost on Hulu. So I think that Netflix in a way has struggled because it was always structured as something of like happening like an older show to catch up on. But I feel like, especially over the pandemic, I feel like a lot of people are just like binge watching TV so much that everyone kind of caught up. yeah. So now they need to figure out like what next, like what do you do? Like what someone is like caught up and like no one cares about season one through 10 of Lost or whatever. Right. And we and we kind of touched on this, you know, in our episode about Sally Sunset because I mean, they've clearly tried to make a move and they've made a move into reality television, but the reality television on Netflix has this very specific feeling to it that I actually, the new Kardashians has a lot of Sally Sunset energy to it. Yeah. And a lot of kind of cheap production tricks that Netflix uh, reality TV has. Um, and I feel like the reality TV aspect of Netflix, there is something about like how accelerationist it is, how quickly it's filmed. Um, like the Selling Sunset season five clearly came like right on the heels of the end of season four. So I do think that's a huge part of the Netflix reality machine is that it feels like it never stops and, it, and it's about churning stuff out. And, you know, it's about, it's a different kind of reality show than the weekly, you know, release. Um, whereas these ones that you can watch all at once, it's like this kind of hyper, it's a hyper binge of like a hyper real show. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally, I totally agree with that. And right. No, and you're, and you're so right about that weirdness between the seasons because season five of selling sunset, like obviously like, the filming didn't like I feel like they didn't even put their cameras down no. like they just like edited it they they like they filmed the woman for like x amount of months then they edited it into like yeah. two separate seasons yeah but there was like no uh like no that like wasn't something that anyone said it was just kind of like a parent so it's like when people are like oh like we everyone's like oh we just learned about Jason and Chriselle like blah 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 you're like, oh, so you literally learned about it by watching season four. Right. 
because it immediately happened. And then for months and months and months, I had to keep the relationship under wraps because like the, the show wasn't like edited yet. Or I, I don't know. It's just like really, it's like really, it's very developed where you're just like, yeah. why are you not telling us about this very obvious thing that would probably it it doesn't mean anything if you were to tell us it may even make the show better if you were to tell us so why are you leaving it out like it's so if we can talk about like the selling sunset reunion one of the weirdest things was the host himself who is tan fans can't believe it was tan i was like that's left field tan well i knew that it was going to be another netflix person I put in my notebook, the reunion will be hosted by like a famous Netflix person. Yeah. I, I, and I think that if we had talked about it, we could have come up with him. Like, I think that it's actually pretty obvious because it's yeah. like queer eye and they're, and, and they're kind of trying to copy the whole Real Housewives, like gay man in, interlocutor because yeah. like, you can't, like, if you're, it's not like a Ryan Seacrest when Britney Spears is like, wait are you straight? And then like kind of like completely changes her demeanor because like definitely talking to a queer, like a gay man is different than talking to a straight man for like many heterosexual women, just in terms of, again, like the camera, like how are you seen? How are you acting when you're like viewed through a certain lens? Like that's a whole other thing that we can talk about. But so selling Sunset... And they were even on their couches in the same way that the housewives are on the couches, like with the most important people closest to Tan France and then with the men sitting behind them. Bravo really engineered the formula for a reunion. Right. And I was looking. So I was like, this is really bad. Was the first Real Housewives reunion this bad? So I watched the first Real Housewives reunion and it's not. Andy Cohen, first of all, he makes it very clear that he's a producer. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, ladies, please settle down. You know, he like really, he very much so like takes control of the situation. And he, it's not o- because he's the producer, he's their boss. So they need to like behave yeah. with him. But then also he structures it in terms of like the audience has questions that they want to ask. Yes. He's not saying I have questions. He's saying the audience has questions. So in that way, he groups them all together right. as this like collective insider knowledge. And Tan doesn't do that. Tan is like, oh my God, I'm your biggest fan, like blah, 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 blah. So the questions that he asks just kind of fall flat exactly. because there's no audience interaction. And also because like he's intimidated by them. He, he, he like rescinds any type of authority over the woman. Right. Yeah. No, the, the reunion host shouldn't be a fan. It doesn't. Cause we don't want a fan. Like we want somebody who We're has fans. the power. We, we want somebody who has a power that's different than ours. Like everyone knows that a fan has the capability to judge and come up with questions. Yeah. Jason was so sad. So, so sad. I mean, yes and no. I think yes and no. I think I believed it at the beginning. I think I believed it. But then I think when they were, when, you know, they saw the G flip video and he was like really happy. He's like, Oh, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> like, no, like either you're like, you literally have no emotions or you're psychotic and you can go, or you're like manic and go from like depression to elation in like the span of five minutes, or it just like, it's been so long since they broke up because we don't even know when they filmed that fucking season. It could have been yeah. a year ago that it's like, it's, it, it, whatever it's over. No one cares anymore. I just think it's a classic vibe of like, um, he's not actually threatened because it's not a man who's taken over his place as the boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah, there's that. Hey, here's here's something else. I think that I think that's something that's out now is being iconic. 
you know, like the iconic moment of that reality show. I think that that's out. I think that's, that's like a cringe thing Mm -hmm. to have like a, like a catchphrase in a show or to be like, oh my God, like, did you see when she did that? And I think, do you know what I'm talking about? Just like a Ramona turtle time thing, (laughs) like that, which in a certain way is iconic because it's older because like we can understand that is not a created moment but I think that in a show like Selling Sunset especially this season all the women are like trying to be like quote-unquote iconic reality woman you know what I mean like with the outfits and with the with the catchphrases and with like the comebacks like they tried to make the whole Mary thing like oh is your birthday do you want me to throw you a party like they tried to meme yeah they did try it they they're trying to make it happen but it's but it's not gonna happen (laughs) it's not gonna happen um you know you know so I think that it's just like it's a failed meme of a show and in a way that makes it a great show because it makes it a good meme right it makes it a good meme but you definitely don't see as many selling sunset memes as you see like old keeping up with the Kardashians memes or like old real housewives memes. I think the only icon on the show is Adnan. <laughs> and and because Adnan doesn't give a shit because Adnan doesn't care who's watching him. He's just like, of course these cameras are here. I'm rich and famous. Chills down my spine. <laughs> I mean, I want to show about Adnan. Like his wife, Adnan's wife should be on Beverly Hills. I want to show about him, Lisa Vanderpump and Mohammed Hadid. <laughs> oh my god, me too. Mohammed Hadid really scares me with his like secret sex dungeons. Mohammed Hadid. I know. I mean, that man. That man is. That man is some skeletons. Yikes. <laughs> um, but the reunion did did call out what we were talking about in um our discussion about selling sunset and what we talked about with our lovely guest Tom Cyberson about the developification of the real and fake. Um. And Tan, you have in your notes here that Tan asks Emma if the story she's told about Christine was real or fake. But he doesn't actually say the story. He says, was the bribe real or fake? Which kind of is a confusing way to say that. And she's like, oh, of course it was real. Like, uh, of course. But it's, again, the reunion kind of reinforced for me that, like, it doesn't matter what real what was real and what was fake. And like, that's why you don't really need a reunion. Like on New Jersey, you want a reunion because you want to find out what their motivations were to do X, Y, and Z. On this show, you understand that their motivations are just because they understand themselves as reality stars. That's the only reason they're doing anything, right? Like, yeah, kind of want to know what the fuck Teresa Judice was thinking when she said X, Y, and Z, you know? Well, they also all like each other on um, on Selling Sunset. Pissed off Christine wasn't there. Well, right. And it's just like, she didn't want to go because she didn't want to be the, I mean, it also kind of would have been like an Aviva Drescher reunion where it's like, you get to a point where it's like, you can't just say these platitudes and, and, and not take any accountability for anything that you do, which is, which is why like someone like Teresa's really great is because she has these like epic dramatic moments of no 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 oh my god yes I'm so sorry oh my god I'm so sorry like she has these incredible like emotional spikes but I feel like you have an Aviva Drescher who's very simple who's like actually psychotic who um in a scary way out of her fucking mind who's very much like Christine where it's just like she becomes like this weird robot just being like oh yes it was all an act don't you know that we're in a show and they're like you 
there are other underlying reasons, but there's no use getting them out because right. you're just gonna pretend like it's like it's fake when it actually is real, which is yeah. even worse than pretending something is real when it's fake. Yeah. Like the inverse lying, which is like that's such a cop out. Like it's just so stupid. But I I mean Chelsea didn't hold her ground as much as I thought she would. No, she kind of faded right into the the sea of the women. Well, they just all want to be like hot, skinny, getting along, like girl boss, like yeah. like supporting woman is like a really important thing for women who are so anti-feminist and everything they do. Um, so they just like they just want to support each other no matter what, or else they'll be labeled. But but the best part was about G flip. Yes. That was the best part because that was the only thing we didn't see on the show. That was the only thing we hadn't had a reference for that we wanted to find out about. Right. Like, mm. obviously, that stuff's always strategically like leaked, you know, like it's like that was leaked like right before the reunion. And it's like now we get to find out. And Chriselle's kind of like coming clean for the first time, like the exclusive phase, you know, it's like the people exclusive. Yeah. I mean, it was also great because there are some very real reactions to that. Like Maya's face, hysterical. That was an iconic moment. That was hysterical. That's an incredible moment because she's shocked. She's shocked. She's just like, like she's. And she can't say why she's shocked, but she's definitely like, you with girl? Like you were just with man. (laughs) In Israel, we believe. (laughs) She's like, no, I'm happy for you. Yes. doing her accent I can it's so do hard I will I can't I'm actually pretty good at it but I'm not gonna do it on camera because it's like I need I it's like I can't, I'm not in the right mind frame <laughs> she's so funny I do kind of love Maya but yeah obviously what's going through her head is like it's like you can't have a baby with a woman I think that Maya is the only one who also understands the ridiculousness of the show which is why she's such she's like my favorite character on the show like when Chelsea's like I like to have my boobs out and like all this stuff and Maya's like what are you talking about this is like a professional environment you need to like dress professionally right. that was an interesting moment because then chelsea's like no like you attract the clients who want to be that you. was interesting which i think is true because like maya attracts like families and like really rich families who like have kids and are like very normative and like chelsea definitely attracts like crazy international buyers who are like remember that woman who was like the the heiress she convinced her to buy that horrible property with like construction i know i was like well good for you chelsea like that's incredible but yeah but the g flip stuff is great because it's because like maya's reaction which is why it's such a successful meme or like moment i think everyone was kind of like that not just in terms of like what you like you made a whole big deal about having a baby and like you can't have a baby with g flip it's not that it's just like chriselle seems very straight like she seems very heterosexual yeah She's got that Southern thing. I mean, also for me, part of the shock was I was like, who the fuck is G Flip? I know. Also just like Chriselle dating someone named G. Just like, yeah, the name G Flip. I mean, that video that they showed, I was like, is this video from 2008? I know. It's very Spring Breakers. I like G Flip though. G Flip is like- G Flip is like homo homo nationalism in a nutshell or like homo normativity in a a nutshell. They are like the kind of queer that wears like a trucker hat sideways. But it's a rainbow trucker hat. But it's a rainbow Because they're gay. Yeah, yeah. Rainbow trucker hat. And like rainbow- Billabong. 
Yeah, yeah, no. Have you seen? I've been watching all their music videos. Like this, no, is... I just came, that just came to my mind. Oh but... no, that's all. That's correct. That's what that's <laughs> yeah. what they wear. That's their wardrobe, and they're always like in their music videos fantasizing about an extremely femme woman like Chriselle. Right. Like that's kind of their thing. Is they're like very like masculine energy attracted towards like a hyper femininity. Right. Um. And no, it's, it's very, it's very like, it's very like Midwestern or it's very Florida gay. It's very, um, Tampa, by, Tampa, Bay's. Tampa, it's very Tampa Bay's yeah. type of, type of lesbianism <laughs> with the, like, again, like with the billabong, yeah, you know, with the converse, with like the long hair, with the, like the long beachy hair, that's like somehow super butch. Yeah. It's hot. Yes. You know, it's hot, yeah, it's but I just like, I'm into it, but I'm also, I was thinking about- I feel like I wanted the, to look like that in middle school. I felt like having like long surfer girl, like tomboy hair was like the coolest thing I could do. It just proves just how weed is a gateway drug. Height difference <laughs> in straight relationships <laughs> is a gateway drug to queerness. <laughs> just shows that height difference- Oh, that is a queer. hot take. <laughs> I can't imagine how they're going to like re- follow up with- selling sunset like i don't think they're going to i think that they're just gonna do selling the oc the oc looks fantastic yeah it looks really good that actually seems like actual drama they have like women and men like it's like gay men straight men gay men straight men it seems like some affairs are happening that was a great clip in the preview when she was like the thing about tables they turn I love it. I love like the idea of just like talking about like the intention <laughs> of the lazy season. <laughs> Wait, there's also that curb your enthusiasm with the lazy Susan. That Wait, really what? elaborate plot line when he says <laughs> when he says he has anal bleeding, so he can't sit on the chair. And then she gives him a different chair. And then they're eating Chinese food and somebody swings the lazy Susan and the, the sauce falls on the chair and it looks like blood. And then he gets up. <laughs> Everyone thinks his anal, his anus blood on it. <laughs> Genius show. Oh my God, curve your enthusiasm is so good, and I love it. That's actually pretty relevant because that's like how the Housewives series started, as they wanted to like a curb your enthusiasm type show. Selling Sunset does have Jewish vibes. We find out Jason and Brett, and they're Jews. They're money hungry. They're money hungry, metrosexual, <laughs> non-reproductive, <laughs> cocked Jews. Such a surprise, but it makes sense. I mean, their last name is Oppenheim, so right. I guess I kind of knew because their last name is Oppenheim. I started to like Brett. I have to say, I fully this season. I don't know what happened. I was able to distinguish who they each were. No, me too. They have different faces. Yeah. They have different mouths. It's in the mouth. Yeah, their um, mom was hysterical. The mom is so funny. And she's like a classic Jewish mother. When's the baby coming? <laughs> oh my God, I'm having wine in the morning. It must be my birthday. <laughs> must be my birthday. Ah, Chrishell, you look gorgeous. Ah! Oh. <laughs> she kept doing that. They're like, oh! <laughs> it's so good. Davina really just like, I've been seeing all these tweets about how like she's just never, she's never doing the right thing. Like she's always out of place. Like, she's like, they're like, once again, she missed the memo. Like, what is the outfit? Like, what is she wearing? (laughs) She looks like she smells bad. Terrible on camera. Like, awful on camera. She reminds me of my old boss of the nonprofit where I used to work, who me and my friends, we had a running joke. We used to have a joke that my boss was actually a a botched CIA experiment to create, like, (laughs) human robots. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then they just like dumped her in like the nonprofit are like very good job like because yeah. she was so robotic and so like it like would take her like five seconds to like understand like the emotion in the room and then she right. immediately it was like she was like human empathy okay right. good job and that's kind of what Davina is like Davina just like she's like malfunctioning in terms of her like human emotionality it like takes a weird time Davina has a straight up LinkedIn <laughs> No, she's so random. She went to Pepperdine University. Well, that's a Catholic university. That's that crazy gra- grassy area in Malibu. With with the huge cross. Yeah. Um, Potratz. She's German. Uh-oh. I don't know where the hell she came from. <laughs> I'm telling you. Botched Nazi I, robot experiment. Something about she has some history with Adam DeVello. Did they have sex with each other? She's had like a cameo. Like I was listening to a podcast like years ago and they were like, Davina has been around for years. <laughs> Which I love. Davina. Hey, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna Google her and see what she's Yeah, I'm out. Googling right now. Let me, we're Googling. Davina. Okay, I thought Heather really sh- shined this season. I thought she was great. I kind of love Heather. She reminds me of like sex positive Khloe Kardashian. Tarek seems very devoted to her. Yeah. I mean, Heather's also gorgeous and she's obviously like a freak in the bedroom. I hate Emma. Emma's evil. So Davina's like from Germany. Like she lived there for like the first 20 years of her life. Potratz? That sounds Polish. Polish. That sounds Polish. All these people, all these people, I'm like, where did they come from? Who are they? Well, Emma, well, I sent you that tweet where it's that girl that I'm that I know from New York grew up with Emma's family. And what what did the family do? They're like they like own frozen food companies. Yeah. Emma from Selling Sunset is from the town over for me. She comes from a mysterious frozen seafood fortune that no one's ever heard of. And she yeah, calling it now she's mob. Well, this episode we had to do a lot of recap. We really have to be in the right frame of mind to um, dive into the new s- season of the Kardashians. Um, and I think it's actually kind of good that we're going to do like a five episode recap. Um, I think we're really going to get a sense of where we are in the show. I, I feel like that's about a quarter of the way through the show. It's also not going to be a recap because I think that like where it it takes a lot of time to settle into the show in terms of what they want you to see and what's actually going on. So we're being very purposeful. We really are because we've had this yeah. conversation a lot about like when to actually dive into the show because I'm actually, I think that both of us are pretty against the like reactionariness yeah, we're not of recapping. reality television. It's not like, oh, like three things that like I can't stop thinking about uh about the Kardashians. Like that type of shit is so stupid because Ragnar. the show because <laughs> the show <laughs> I corrected her the other day. Did I I know because I'm like fucking idiot. Like anyway, anyway, whatever. But um that's just like that's just like a complete reactionary understanding of what the show is, which is, you know, they want you to they they want the timeline of it to be like the show comes out, two days later a recap comes out, like four days later people are making a meme and then like you have the other show. Like they right. they want that to be the schedule. But I actually think that you can only understand the show once you have a little bit of distance from like the yeah. the things that immediately kind of like came to the fore for you. Yeah. And I I, I feel like my my 
first impression so far are like, I'm very curious. Like what I want to dive into is talking about this sort of like reality playing out and watching behind the scenes of reality versus the editing of reality. Like which one is happening, right? Like it's like the chicken or the egg, which Malika brings up with so god god made the kardashians yeah did he make kardashians first or did he make the show first yeah <laughs> like but that's truly like what what i've been what that's i've been brilliant watching it. um because like we've gotten to see all these like milestones on instagram and now we're just kind of very methodically moving through each milestone we're going snl we're going the proposal and so i'm curious to see how that continues and i feel like we really need to watch more of it to see like what that kind of also pete we need to, we're, what we're missing is uh, Kylie and Travis's relationship. And yeah. if they're going to touch on the world stuff, they yeah. probably won't. But even if, you know, the way that they misdirect attention is going to be interesting with that. And then also we need the Kim and Pete thing because mm-hmm. Kim is really the heroine of this show. Yes. So even when it's about the, the side plots of the other woman in the family, this is about Kim's journey into adulthood into her 40s yes and it it totally is and I also think that it's another huge part of the drama of the show that it's always been um is going to be about Scott Scott has always given us drama he's never failed and I am actually quite gripped to see how Scott and Travis uh Barker interact like the -hmm. proposal episode was pretty intense um with Penelope like bursting into tears was really sad and um Kravis is definitely positioned in this weird way as this like they're really like they make it like a family show like it's kind of about them like starting their family and it's they have a very like you know it's it's non-traditional because they're older and they're like always doing pda and they dress like teenagers but it's also very much like this kind of like family of four like a blended family like it's very like keeping up with the that's like keeping up with the it's like keeping up with the kardashians right when at the beginning because it was the bruce's family and and uh chris's family and that was very much attention on the first few seasons remember brody would babysit yes and we're already seeing i think a lot of like circular themes which are pretty predictable with the kardashians like the first plot you know is obviously the same plot as the first episode of season one which is kim's sex tape leaking um uh courtney's going to the fertility doctor which we know them yet again doctors too well and i'm very curious to kind of dive into the aesthetic differences as well which i'd love to that's to come the you know how proust um proust was like in order to write a really great novel i got to get this out of my system and then it turned into la recherche so this is our this is our uh (laughs) in search of lost in search of lost time it's uh our our recap of a month of reality shit yes reality television bullshit is what I meant to say um so thank you for listening and stay tuned we have some guests coming up uh in the next couple months some really exciting guests really exciting Jewish guests (laughs) (laughs) that's all for now I'm gonna keep up with g-flip I'll tell you that oh my god I'm gonna get really into g-flip we're back we are we are thinking we are writing we are watching Mm-hmm. We are a little congested. Um. All right. Bye. Bye. Money can't buy your class. Money can't buy your class.
more than they can imagine money rich and manners poor never got the boys too far money talks but i just walk when i can't stand it and the primary mistake texting on a date if you make a lady wait she'll take a pass the lesson all should learn even if there's cash to burn respect yourself because no one else can change your path money can't buy your class you've met to exemplify their very best behavior when entering a room greet everyone and soon you'll be invited and entitled to the grandeur your company should feel when a conversation's real even if the topic feels like science class you can tell where someone's been without even asking him he's either rude or has some style and panache money can't Elegance and flair and savoir faire. You don't have to be rich or famous to be unforgettable. Haha. <laughs> it's not about where you're from, it's about what you've learned. Money can't buy your class. Money can't buy your class. Elegance is love, my friends. Elegance is love. Money can't buy your class. 